Welcome to A Word with Dr. Shirley, a podcast for faith, inspiration, and empowerment. A Word with Dr. Shirley starts now. Greetings, everyone. Welcome to A Word with Dr. Shirley. Thanks so much for tuning in today. My name is Dr. Shirley, and I'm so excited to be with you today as I have my special guest, Dr. Kareem Ellis, who is going to be speaking to us today from the topic, using your God-given gifts and talents to create your greatness. But before we get started, I want to take a moment to briefly introduce Dr. Ellis. Dr. Kareem R. Ellis is the number one breakthrough strategist and has been featured in NBC, CBS, ABC, Yahoo, Finance, Wall Street Select, and Fox Network affiliates, as well as major news outlets. A dynamic powerhouse speaker with 20 years of experience in the field of speaking, training, and breaking through success. Dr. Kareem has also authored the best-selling book titled GPS, My Success. He is an individual that takes great pride in developing both leaders and champions. His messages and concepts helps leaders to grow to the next level as he inspires and atmosphere of greatness in the lives he connects with daily. Dr. Karim is the recipient of the 2022 SpeakerCon Motivational Speaker of the Year Award, recipient of the Presidential Lifetime Achievement Award, two-time TEDx speaker, board director with the International Institute of Influencers, member <laughs> of the National Speakers Association, past president with Toastmasters International, co-host of the Keynote TV show, Les Brown Certified Platinum Speaker, and the owner of several successful businesses for over two decades. As a founding partner of the John Maxwell team, Dr. Kareem speaks, inspires, and teaches leadership and professional development principles to 50 to 60 organizations yearly. His YouTube channel has well over 200 video testimonials from both event planners and attendees that have heard him speak and highly recommend him. All successful organizations understand that effective leadership is at the heart of every business. As a trainer and coach, Dr. Kareem has several engaging group programs specifically designed to help take leaders to the next level. Please help me welcome Dr. Kareem Ellis. Welcome. It's an honor, it's a privilege, and it's a pleasure to be here today. Wonderful, wonderful. I'm so excited about our topic today for discussion, which is yet again, using your God-given gifts and talents to create your greatness. And just before we just get started with the discussion, I want to just lay some foundation as to why this topic is so relevant. Um, I'm just sharing a few statistics, right? So as it stands, Four in five Americans, approximately 81%, believe there is an ultimate purpose and plan for their lives. And two or three Americans say a major priority in their life is finding deeper purpose, right? Lastly, almost three in four say it's important to pursue a higher purpose and meaning for their lives. So we know that there are a lot of Americans today, as we speak, that are on this search, right? They're on this search to discover the greatness within. So my hope and prayer is that through this conversation that we can help people navigate that journey. Mm. And so I'm going to leave the floor open to you, Dr. Ellis, for you to just tell us, just out mm. of your own heart and wisdom, what has God placed on your heart concerning this topic as a whole? 
Absolutely. So I'm again, I'm, I'm happy to be here today. And this is a very, very important message. It's a message I've ran with for many, many years. But I think now is such a pressing time. I mean, if you look at the current climate of the world and all the things that's going on, I, I believe that the earth is in shift and rotation and is waiting for certain individuals of greatness to step up to the plate and walk out their, their God calling, their intended purpose while they're here. What I've told people, Dr. Shirley, is I've told people there are three most important days of your life. I, I said it correctly, three. Now, I know there's some people to say, well, it's got to be the day I got married or the day I graduated college or the day I landed that job paying me six or seven figures. And those are all wonderful things in history. But that those are the three most important days of your life. The three most important days of your life is, number one, the day you were born. Because that's the day you bless the world with the essence called you. The second most important day of your life is the day you discover why you were put here, right? We're close to having uh, uh, 8 billion people on the planet. And you blessed to be one of the ones amongst all these many people all over the world. So there has to be a unique reason why God decided to put you on the face of the planet. So number two is when you discover why you're here. And then once you discover it, the third most important day of your life is when you decide to have the courage to walk that thing out. Now, the problem with most of us, most of us get stuck between portions two and portions three because the world has taught us to chase money. The world has taught us to chase titles and extend success and influence and the big house and the luxury lifestyle. But very few people are say, are told to go out there and figure out what is the reason why you are here. And then once you discover it, you have to have the mental fortitude and courage to walk that thing out. Even Moses at the burning bush argued with God over his purpose and calling. He said, God, listen, I stutter. I, I can't go let them people free. And God said, who made man's mouth? Meaning my will through you will be done one way or the other. So that's one of the reasons I'm putting this out there, because I believe there's a lot of Christian folks out there lost in the sauce. They have abandoned their post of what they've been put here to do. And I think it's time for folks to step up and do exactly what they're calling is and walk that thing out so we can change the rotation of how this planet is moving right now. Absolutely. I could not have put that better myself. And I think, you know, to one of the points that you made, one of the reasons why many um, Christians and non-Christians are finding um, so much trouble discovering or tapping into their greatness is because mm -hmm. they're not speaking the same language as God in terms of what is the definition of success? What is yeah. the definition of purpose? And so there's a disconnect, right? Um, so we have the world that, you know, is just completely anti-God. They're anti-biblical. Um, they don't necessarily um, yield to God as having final authority. They don't acknowledge God as being their maker. And then you have Christians that are struggling to believe the word that they have and that they should be using as a roadmap to success. They're struggling to believe what it says. They're struggling to interpret it. And so we just have a bunch of people that are aimlessly <laughs> navigating this life, hoping, you know, thinking there should have, could have, would have, you know, some that are just resorting to just, you know, anti-moral things or going against the grain because they're just frustrated. And so they decide mm -hmm. to just completely, you know, just do their own thing, right? And, and land themselves mm -hmm. in a whole lot of trouble because they yielded to corruption because they're like, you know what, let me just make things happen for myself because I don't agree with the way my life is going. I don't understand the way it's going. And they begin to envy, you know, other people. And so it's just really a mess. But again, I think the root of it is we're not in agreement with God. <laughs> I, 
I, I, I'm right, we're not speaking the same language. And so if you could kind of speak to you just a little bit, because I think that should really be the starting point. of Absolutely. you And you hit the nail dead on the head. The, the, the key thing I've learned in life is to understand the definition of everything, because your interpretation and the real interpretation oftentimes is different things, which leads to different results. And so you said something about success, but under God's cusp of it versus the world cusp of it. It's hard for you to understand kingly, kingdom success if you only have worldly knowledge. And the problem is most kingly people, most godly people are trying to get godly success, but they're trying to follow the world's principles, right? Scripture says God uses the foolish things of the world to confound the wise, which means that typically nine times out of 10, the way you get to your success, to your fantastic finish line, is not going to be under the guise and the markers of what the world deems you to go through in order to be successful, right? Anyone I know that has, has great success and they kingdom minded, they did not do it the worldly way. And that's how they know God was at the helm of all of it. So first, we got to reinvent the interpretation of what what success really means to a kingdom-minded person versus a worldly person. The beautiful thing about kingdom-minded success, kingdom-minded success is designed to last, right? It's not designed to get evaporated. Mm -hmm. Worldly success oftentimes evaporates, which means you got to keep looking over your shoulder every five seconds to make, make sure you maintain it. Right. And so that's the dramatic difference between the two. If I want to work hard, if I want to invest in anything, I want to invest and get a rate of return. If I invest in real estate, I want to make money on it. If I invest in stocks, I want to make money on it. If I do Bitcoin or crypto, I want to make money on it. And I don't want to have to keep looking over my shoulder every seven seconds to hope that the world is not going to take it away from me. That's the difference between doing it the kingdom way versus the worldly way. If I do it the kingdom way, I don't have to keep looking over my shoulder every five seconds worth that someone's going to come along and snatch and steal what God has already divinely partitioned out for me to be, to do, and to have. So I think that you're right. The journey starts with the interpretation of what is success. But the second thing I'll throw out there is the understanding that if God has given you a purpose and a calling, he's already blessed you with the gifts and the tools to pull it off. And a lot of us mess this up. And that's why we think that we can't walk out our purpose once we figure out what it was. There was a portion in the Bible where Moses finally understood his God assignment and very reluctantly he went back to Pharaoh. And notice when he left Egypt, he was under the guise of, of a death sentence. He killed an Egyptian. So if he went back, th that was that was murder on the spot. Now you want me to get before Pharaoh, the most powerful person in the land, <laughs> and then say, let my people go? Like th there's a little idea of murder. That's why I was gone for 40 years, hiding out in the wilderness, right? The thing that blows my mind the most is right. Pharaoh's first decree out of anger. He said, because you have the audacity to come before me and tell me to free these, free these Hebrews, and I know not your God. I don't know who your God is. Tell the Hebrews that the workload of bricks have been doubled. And the catch is they can't use straw to do it. Now, now the dramatic part of this is this. When you made bricks back then, you, the foundation that the bricks were made in was straw packed around with mud. So if you say that I got to make bricks and I have no straw, I, I can't just make mud, mud bricks. It doesn't work that way. I have to have the two to work. I have to have a foundation in order to pack the mud around. So basically, Pharaoh gave the Hebrews an impossible task, knowing there's going to be a punishment for it. God loves you so much that whatever your God calling, your assignment, your purpose is, he is not going to be such a cruel master such as Pharaoh to give you an assignment without giving you the tools to pull that assignment off. So one of the things I ask people all the time is, do you know your God-given gifts and talents? 
Do you know what God has already placed inside of you? Because everyone under the sound of my voice, you have a gift, you have a talent or expertise. There's something you're sitting on. If you're not careful, you may be mismanaging the gift because if you're not using the gift for its intended God purpose, then you're not using it correctly. So I tell people there's four things you need to do. Number one, you've got to identify your gift. Number two, you got to master it. Number three, you have to properly plan it because gifts and talents are not designed to activate everywhere. And then number four, you got to know how to control that gift and talent. And I think that's where we start the conversation at. Identify your gift, master your gift, plant your gift properly, and then control that gift. Amen. Amen. And I want to just really um, piggyback on the Moses uh, scenario mm -hmm. that you, you know, alluded to, because when I think about Moses, to me, the most mm -hmm. interesting part of his story was one of the tools that God gave him, which was the staff. And I want to yes. kind of talk about that staff a little bit because the staff represents something very unconventional, something very, you know, you know, lackluster, something that you maybe take for granted. You don't see, it seems very basic. <laughs> it seems like it doesn't have anything good that could come out of it. But I want to tell someone today that, you know, when you think about Moses's staff, think, hear God saying to you, what's in your hand? What do you have that I have given you that perhaps you've taken for granted? And the reason that it looks so unappealing to you is because you no greatness is going to come from it unless I put my power into it. Unless I put my super on your natural, mm. Greatness is not going to amount in your life. That's the reason why it's, it's you know, you looked at the tools you have and you can't see how you can get from point A to B is because what you're missing is the God factor. What you got to mm. do is take what you have in your hand, no matter how <laughs> small it may seem, how, you know, uh, how much society may make you feel that it has nothing good that could come out of it. But I guarantee you anything that you give to God, however small it may be, he's going to work that thing. He's going to turn it around. And, you know, I actually, I made a post um, uh, yesterday, I believe not. I said, give your mess to the Lord and he'll turn it into a message. Right. Mm -hmm. So to me, that's again, indicating whatever you give, to God, he's going to give it back to you in abundance, in full measure. And so I love the fact that you mentioned Moses, because I just see this man standing <laughs> in front of a Red Sea with this rod that seems so yeah. powerless, so ridiculous even, if I might say, and then God doing something that had never been done and was never repeated in, in, mm. in Bible history. Right. The greatness came because Moses was humble enough to yield what he had in his hand to God. And God added mm -hmm. his super on Moses' natural. And mm -hmm. here today we have the story that we have about Moses. So I want to let you speak to that a little bit because I can tell you when. <laughs> you know, I'm getting excited. You know, I'm getting excited about it, right? I'm, I'm, the thing is blowing my mind because deep calls in the deep. And when you think about Moses, Moses just didn't pick up that staff when he went to Pharaoh's place. Like he just didn't grab it on his way to say, all right, I got my assignment. Mm -hmm. Let me. He had that staff when the whole time he was out there. That was his walking staff. And so the thing that's hitting yeah. my spirit real deep right now, yeah. it means Moses was comfortable with it. It was around him for a very mm. long time. With most people, your gift and talent has been with you since you have come out the womb, right? And so you could be so familiar yes. with it that you don't understand that the, the real dynamic power is locked inside of it. So one of the analogies I love to use and teach off of, I, I use something I call the cheetah principle. 
And what that means is this, mm -hmm. is when a cheetah is born, a cheetah is born, catch the word, born with the gift of 70 mile per hour speed. It doesn't have to go to a school of higher learning or education and get a college degree to learn how to run 70 miles per hour. That gift is already locked inside of his genetic DNA. But that cheetah has to discover and uncover that gift and talent in order to gain access to it. Right. That means there's a point in the journey where the cheetah has to be obedient to the gift inside of it. Scripture says your obedience is better than sacrifice. So before you run down here, and give me a tithe and offering. Don't bring me a tithe and offering if you can't be obedient to what I'm telling you to do, what you already have inside your hand. Right. So first thing we want to do is we want to be obedient to what God has, because what you said was spot on. There are some people that would have hit that challenge to go back. And instead of grab, grabbing the staff that they've been comfortable with for 40 something years, they would try to grab a sword. <laughs> and God didn't say nothing about the sword. Right. So, number one, I want to be clear about what gifts and talents am I sitting on. As a child growing up, I got in trouble literally for talking too much. As you can probably see right now, this brother talks a whole lot. I had no idea God was going to take that gift of communication and use it as a tool to take me all over the world, right? But that was me being obedient to God's will for my unique gift and talent. So I think what Moses did was Moses had to identify what God had gave to him and understand unique power locked inside of it and then move forth knowing that I control and command my rod, that gift and talent you sitting on that can help you run this race at 70 miles per hour, you have to identify it and you have to control it. I'm telling you, this I, I'm trying to let go of this Moses thing, but I can't. It just I keep <laughs> things keep coming to me as you're speaking, mm. and there's so much I'm getting as you're speaking. One, the fact that you know the the reason why Moses was so comfortable with that rod was mm. or that staff was because he had spent 40 years under the tutelage of his father-in-law who was teaching him how to shepherd right in preparation mm. for his assignment and mm. so you know god because he wasn't he knew nothing about rods and staffs when he was in egypt right but he had to go through that season 40 year season of preparation so that when he stood in front of Pharaoh to say, let my people go, mm. what he was saying was release my assignment because yeah. at the staff, staffs only go to shepherds. And so Moses' assignment was to shepherd God's people, Ooh. right? Mm. And so, yeah, so this is what's coming to me. As I, These are not in my notes, I promise. <laughs> As you were speaking, just being downloaded to me. And so for someone who is, you know, because this is what happens to a lot of people. A lot of people confuse mm -hmm. the gifts and the talent with the assignment or the purpose, not realizing yeah. that your gifts and your talent are, as you said before, are tools and clues mm -hmm. yes. to what your purpose and assignment is, yes. right? So it wasn't his assignment to remain a shepherd for 40 mm. years. Mm. But but I, I'm glad but you said that. But the shepherding, again, yes. like I said, prepared him for the real assignment. Mm -hmm. Oh, you listen. <laughs> I was saying, there's no way in the world this was lined up. This, what you just said, you just anchored exactly to what I'm about to talk about next. Because here's the thing. God oftentimes will put you in a testing ground before he gives you your real assignment. So that way you don't mess up mm -hmm. on the spot. Like a lot of times folks are placed in positions at jobs and they don't understand that you're not supposed to be there for a lifetime. 
You are there for a temporary time frame because your job is to master what you're supposed to master before you get your real divine assignment, right? And so the second thing I talked about after identifying that gift and talent is mastering the gift and talent. Now, the easiest way to master, well, there's two ways to master gift that. Number one is to walk in the thing and actually do it. Because I know a lot of gifted, talented people that don't do anything with their gift. They put their gift on a shelf where it collects dust and collects rust, and it does nothing for them at all. And God is like, when I invested in the stock called you, I put that gift and talent in you, and I want to see a rate of return. I want to see some come out of it. I didn't give it to you by accident. Close to 8 million people on the planet, I could have gave that gift and talent to anybody. I chose you because I want to get a rate of return. I want my greatness to be made manifest through you. So my job and my assignment, once I know what my gift and talent is, I got to master it. Now, you pointed something out real clear. Moses had Jethro, and Jethro gave him the finer points of how to get, get going in the, the, the journey of the calling, what he's supposed to do. That was what I would call his, his mentor, right? And so one of the things I suggest to everyone, I don't care how old you are, how young you are, if you have a unique gift and talent or a purpose that you're aware of, who is your mentor? Who's the person that's supposed to be pouring into your cup so that way it doesn't take you 40 years to figure out how to do what it is you're supposed to do, right? Jethro made uh, the learning process for Moses so easy because he was able to take his wealth of knowledge and pour it inside of Moses' cup, and Moses drank from that cup. And so Moses inherited Jethro's wisdom. I believe for every divine assignment and calling, God has someone in place particularly lined up for you that's supposed to pour into your cup. But you will miss your opportunity if you are not alert to the fact that I have a calling on my life. I'm supposed to do something and I'm not looking intentionally, not accidentally, but looking intentionally for who that particular mentor is supposed to be. The mentor helps you master the things and the skill sets you need so you can go out there and crush it in your gift and your calling. I think that's powerful that's amazing and again more is coming to me as you were speaking uh -oh. because i was thinking and this i'm sure is one of the most <laughs> this i'm pretty sure is one of the most vital things that perhaps jethro taught mm. moses which was this idea of servanthood because yes. when moses was in egypt he was constantly being served Moses yes. did not understand the concept of service in the, in the sense of him doing it for others mm. he was very wealthy. I mean, there was if someone, you know, if, if they found him, it probably would have been offensive to them if he even attempted to serve someone. Right. And so he had to go and develop a servant's heart. Right. Yes. In that season with Jethro. And I think that's so important because the Bible makes it clear, even Jesus saying that I did not come who was the greatest of the greatest. I did not come to be served, but I came to serve. And so one of the things a lot of people struggle with is realizing that your purpose will never just serve you. Your purpose will, at least your greatness, right? You're the one that God has assigned, not the one that you assigned to yourself, the one that God has assigned will always have others in mind, <laughs> right? And it doesn't matter what industry you're in. It doesn't have to be ministry. It could be the corporate America, right? Whatever mm. your assignment is, it will always be attached to serving others. And so mm. I think that's a really uh, important mm. statement to make because this is one of the reasons why the world has it backwards is because they're all about how can I get in the position to be served mm. as opposed to, you know, the kingdom mindset as Jesus told the disciples that the the greatest among you will be the the the, great, the servant, right? Yeah. The one who serves the most will be the greatest in the kingdom of God. And so we have to mm. keep that in mind that we're servant leaders, right? No matter what 
office or what industry we find ourselves in, you know, we're always trying to be a reflection of Jesus in that sense. So I just thought I'd point that out. Oh, Lord, have mercy. Did you come down that lane with that one there? This, this is my thought on this, right? It is hard to have a servant's heart if you work if you're working out of selfishness. I'll say that again. It is hard to have a servant's mm -hmm. heart if you operate out of selfishness. What I train a lot of my students, I say when you go to events and places to speak, I don't care if your name is on the marquee. I don't care if you are the, the, the biggest thing since bread got sliced. Your job is always to enter the venue with the mind of a servant. How can I serve? Because you will literally yeah. serve your way to success. And many people don't get this. And that's why they don't get the service reward because they move in the spirit of selfishness instead of selflessness. So one of the things that I'll segue mm -hmm. into the concept of Moses, we might as well stay with Moses. We're we in a good groove with Moses right now. Let's go ahead and stay with him, right? Because after the concept of mastery, I said earlier, you got to know where to plant yourself, Right. Two things I want to point out real quick, yeah. because, you know, when you plant something, we think about the concept of the seed. And if I were to take a seed and plant an apple seed in the ground and I was to water that seed into maturity and it grew nice and strong and healthy and a bunch of delicious red apples began to blossom on all the branches. And under the weight of gravity and wind, one of those delicious, juicy apples fall from the branch and hits the ground. One thing I've never seen is this. I've never seen that tree look down at that apple, scoop it up and take a bite out of it. Because the fruit that it produces is never for the apple. It's never for the tree. It's for people that come into the tree's pathway so they can be fed. I've never seen Jesus turn water to wine because Jesus was thirsty. Jesus, let me touch this water. I'm a little parched. <laughs> that never happened, right? Your gifts and talents are typically there to help bless other people. And spiritually speaking, it's one of the tools God uses to bring people into the kingdom, Right? So that means that I have to understand that my seed is not designed to be planted everywhere. The problem I see with a lot of people, they identify their gift and talent. They spent time mastering gift and talent, but they make the mistake of planting that gift and talent in toxic soil. Not good soil, but toxic soil. And if you plant something in the wrong environment, it's not designed to grow. So you got to check yourself and say, hey, what am I supposed to be manifesting right now through the spirit of God? And if I'm not getting that right now, could it be that I've planted myself around the wrong people, the wrong places, and the wrong things? Birds of a feather flock together, right? We know Jim Rohn says that you'll mirror the lifestyle of the five people you hang with the most. So I want to check that five from time to time to make sure that I should be producing on a higher level. And if I'm not, maybe it's the job I'm at that I, I that, that was never supposed to be at. Let's be real, because some people take a job for a paycheck, but that's not your divine assignment, right? Maybe it's in the neighborhood I decide to move into. Maybe it might be in the, here I come, it might be in the relationships I'm entertaining, the dating relationship, the marriage relationship, or even the situationship where I don't know what we got going on, we got something going on. That seed cannot grow in toxic soil. So I want to make sure to get my full bountiful harvest by making sure I got that seed properly planted in good soil. Well, <laughs> thank you for such wonderful insight um, because as you were speaking, uh, what mm -hmm. I heard in my spirit was um, whatever feeds your roots determines mm -hmm. your fruits. Woo, come on now. Or whoever. Mm. Yes. <laughs> it could be a whatever. It could be a whoever, right? Because when we yeah. think about the whoever, I'm thinking about the scripture where Jesus says, I am the vine. You are the branches. My father mm. is the gardener, right? And, yeah. and, and you, you know, you think of a lot of people that are out here disconnecting themselves from the vine, thinking that somehow 
they're going to get a harvest. You know, your yes. harvest is only going to come. It's only coming to the branches that are rooted and attached to this vine. And his name mm. is Jesus. Right. And and just knowing him is not enough. Yielding to him, yielding to him, discovering mm. and and accepting his will. Right. Mm. Because we have a lot of rebellious believers, a lot of, you know, stubborn, stiff necked believers. And so it's not enough to say I know him. But mm. the real question is, you know, are you in alignment with him? Are you in, is he in agreement with you? Have you grieved the Holy Spirit? Are you walking in unison with him? Because the Bible also says, how can two walk together except they agree? So here you are, you know, saying, oh, I love Jesus. I know Jesus. But the question is, is he walking with you? And he's only walking with those who he's in complete alignment with mm. those who are completely submitted to him. Wow, 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 wow. I, I, I'm loving this conversation. Oh, I'm loving this conversation. And here's the reason why. About four days ago, I'm driving my car. I'm at a gas station. As I pull off, the tire goes flat. And I get out to inspect the tire. And I can't see any noticeable holes. And so I run into this place and I get some fix a flat and I put inside the tire. And I hear, Psss. and so all the fix a flat I put into the tire is spreading out onto the ground. And so as I get down on the floor and I look under the car, I see the whole inside trim of the tire has been worn away, right? The only way that happens is when you've been driving your vehicle and you are not in alignment. Come on, somebody, right? There was moments when I would drive the car and I would try to pick up speed and I would feel the car starting to shake a little bit because when you're out of alignment, the car wants to veer to the left or veer to the right. It won't go straight. And so in terms of what you just talked about, a lot of times that's how it plays out when we're not in alignment with God. God is saying, I need you to go straight. And I'm trying to go straight because I'm not in alignment with your will. I'm pulling to the left. I'm pulling to the right. And God gives us opportunities to get back on track. But the longer I drive out of alignment, what happens is the vehicle goes down. I'll let you decide what that vehicle is, because for some of you, the vehicle that may go down may be your money and your finances. For some of you, the vehicle that may, may get out may be your job. It may be your relationships. It may be your connections. When you are out of the wheel, you're out of alignment. You are subject to things breaking down. Now, I got the car fixed, but you want to ask me how long was I sitting there waiting on Triple A to get me? It took them about four hours to come get me while I'm sitting there on the side of the road thinking, if only I'd have gotten alignment quicker and faster, my day wouldn't have gone past. Why? Because when we're out of alignment with God, we waste our most valuable resource, which is our time. And the enemy loves when we when we run down our shot clock because we only here for a, a, a certain amount of time. We're not here for infinity, right? We have an assignment. We got to be about our father's business to get that assignment done. So you said alignment. I said, oh, we're going down That's the sticky road right now because there's folks right now that know they're not in alignment with the wheel. And they, and they know they need to get that car off to the side of the road and get it fixed now because what happens indefinitely, that car will go down on you one way or the other. The danger is... Not only the car going down, but depending on what speed you are driving that vehicle at, when that tire decides to give way, you are a danger not only to yourself and your God assignment, but to people that are around you on the road. If that tire blew on me at 90 miles per hour, I, I got a Ford convertible, so I love the speed. I'm just going to be real right now. If that tire blew at 90 miles per hour, not only am I in trouble, but everyone around me on that highway is in danger right now because I'm not in alignment. There are a lot of religious leaders and there's a lot of pastors that are moving out of alignment and it's a danger to the flock that they represent on a regular basis. Come on, somebody. So we want to be clear about you know, pulling to the left or pulling to the right. I need to pull off to the side of the road and get this thing fixed and get back in the good grace of God so I can be about my father's business. So I'm glad you brought that up. You served that tennis ball. I have to serve that right back. <laughs> 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 
<laughs> I promise you I'm trying to behave, but this topic is just so amazing and it's so relevant. Um, and I, I want to give you the opportunity to kind of speak from, you know, your own testimony. Your bio is extremely impressive. Um, you know, I, I want for people to get a sense of how this topic, you know, how you applied it in your own life, because you, you strike me as someone who preaches what you practice. Like, you know what you're talking about because you've lived it. So if you could just kind of um, talk about that a little bit, your journey, your testimony with this topic. Absolutely. So I'll talk about that. I want to add one more thing in there that I want to segue back to that I almost forgot about when I talk about properly planting the seed. Folks fail to understand that Moses' seed was designed to be planted back in Pharaoh's kingdom. It was never designed to be planted where he was at. My God. If he planted his seed where he was at, mm. nothing would have grew from it. His assignments plant the seed back where Pharaoh was at. So when I talk about properly planting the seed, you got to know where your seed is supposed to be planted at for you to reap a harvest out of it. So I want to drop that gem because someone listening right now is on the fence about whether I need to leave or walk away or or, 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 or renovate or whatever have you. Understand your seed is only going to grow in good soil, right? And sometimes you don't get to choose that soil. You can just be clear about it. So with my particular journey, I, I, I'm, the, I'm the car in the story. I'm the car that was moving at 90 miles per hour and I was 100% out of alignment. The problem for me was I knew that God had a calling on my life. I just didn't want to live up to the assignment of it because let's be real, getting in alignment means you got to give up certain things. And then you got to give up a lot of worldly things, right? And that's never an easy mm. thing to do because the world is designed to look fun. I have never looked at the world short of murder and, and war and thought the mm. world is a fun. The war, they keep coming up with new stuff that looks even funner and funner and funner. And the goal is to let your guard down. So around the age of 26, I went through this very, very nasty breakup with my childhood sweetheart, and I found myself temporarily homeless sleeping out of my car. On days I could get away with it, I would go to my job. I would sit out in the parking lot to around 11, 12 o'clock at night. I would look up at the third floor to see when the cleaning crew would turn off the lights. That symbolized it was done. And I would use my access card. I would sneak on up the back steps, and I would go to sleep right there at my job underneath my computer terminal. I would set my alarm clock for about five in the morning. I go to the bathroom, get myself cleaned up, try to knock the wrinkles out my clothes, hop down in my desk. And my boss will walk in 30 minutes later and say, Ellis, that's what I like about you. You got gusto. You are always the first person to arrive. Never knowing I've been sleeping here all night. <laughs> Eventually, my older oh my brother God. said, hey, you got to go back home. Right. You can't sleep at your job and you can't sleep out in your car. So at the age of 26, I found myself very reluctantly moving back home based on a very, very bad, nasty breakup. Now, here's my problem. My situation got worse. While I was sitting there living under my parents' roof, I went through massive depression. I gained about a good 30 to 40 pounds of weight because I was an emotional late night eater. I was getting those dopamine rushes by just scarfing down food just to kind of manage the pain that was going on. And then my performance at work fell off, so that job let me go. I only had a two-week paycheck coming in, right? So with that two-week paycheck, it gets real serious because you understand if you don't have anything else lined up, that's all the money you got. And so as the two weeks came close to an end, the bills start to pile up. So before I knew it, I was overdrawn I was over uh, drawn on all my bank accounts. They were getting shut down. Credit cards were getting shut down for non-sufficient funds. Uh, I'm trying to hide from bill collectors, right? As long as I can keep my cell phone on, I'm trying to hide from the bill collectors. And the last thing that happened was I woke up one morning and the car had got repossessed in the middle of the night. And it was at that moment I hit the bleakest part of my life. I begin to contemplate taking my own life. I can begin to contemplate suicide. And, and there's folks out there right now that may be going through it, which is why I'm so open with the conversation. Because when life is beating you up and life was whooping my tail, 
on such a level that I was walking around with a smile on my face, but I was literally crying myself to sleep every single night and trying to hide it and disguise it because that's what a strong man looks like or that's what a strong woman looks like. And I hit a breaking moment where I said, every time I go one step forward, I get not 15 steps back. And if this is what my life is going to be when I have done nothing to nobody, I understand if I've done something and I'm reaping a return, I've done nothing to nobody. And God, if this is a Job challenge, I didn't ask to pay part in this. <laughs> I won't get beat up like this. And so I said, I need you to give me a reason why I should stick around. Because if you can't give me one solid reason why I should stick around here, then I'm gone. That night, I had the most vivid dream I've ever had. I was transported to the place of my hmm. own funeral. And of course, when I came through, the, the first thing I did is I ran to the casket to see what they had me buried in. And people laugh, but I go, in my mind, I was thinking, whatever they bury you in is what you go to heaven in. So you better make sure I look good up in that casket. <laughs> Don't have me up in heaven looking bummy now, right? And so the second thing I did is I looked to the crowd to see who's at my funeral. Because there's some people that better show up to wish me goodbye on my final physical day here, right? The first row had family. The second row had family. The third row. It was a little bit wonky there because I didn't know who half those folks were. And as I look back at the perpetual rows behind it, behind it, the balcony, I had no idea who these folks were. And so I remember asking God in his dream, who are all these people? Because I don't know who they are. And then he took me outside the church. And I see the parking lot is chock full of cars. Cars are fighting to get in the parking lot. The streets are backed up. And I go, again, I don't know who are all these people. And God says, you want to know the reason why you're supposed to stick around. This is the result of you walking in your God purpose. When I came out of that dream, I had clarity over why I was supposed to be here. I didn't know the how. The how came later, but I understood the reason why it was so important to walk this journey all the way out. And I've been doing it nonstop ever since. For 20 years, I've been speaking on stages and platforms, both nationally and internationally, all across the world. And I'm at the stage now where I'm producing other speakers. Why? Because a seed reproduces after its own kind. Right. Moses produced Joshua. Right. A seed yeah. reproduced in itself. Leadership is supposed to be passed down. So for me, that has been the journey. That has yeah. been the thing that got me moving. But when we talked about gifts and talents, the reason why that's so important, I had my burning bush moments where I started to get full understanding of my assignment. But I started to argue with God, say, God, how am I going to do this? Right. And God says, I need you to look inside because I gave you a gift. I gave you a talent and I gave you an expertise. You have everything that you need to walk yeah. out your divine purpose and calling. It's just you haven't been paying attention to it because you don't really know who you are and whose you are. And all things get understanding. If I want to know uh, how my iPhone works, right, I, I got to go back to Apple because they're the one who made it. Yeah. If, if I want to know yeah. uh, how this Rubik's Cube works, right, I go back to the Rubik's company because they can tell me exactly how they made it. So if you want to get clarity on how you're supposed to operate, you got to go to the author and the finisher, the one who created you and say, give me some instruction and some divine wisdom on how I'm supposed to walk this thing out called life. And I guarantee you, not only will he point you in the right direction, he will unlock and show you every gift and talent he has purposely put inside you since the foundations of the world. My God. Wow. Amazing. Amazing. Thank you so much for being so transparent and sharing such a powerful testimony that I'm pretty sure can, will resonate with a lot of people because um, I think that people love transparency and they love to see, especially you on the other side, you know, you're telling them how you got here, right? It wasn't overnight. <laughs> you know, that it was your journey was 
paved with, you know, suffering. It was paved with some hurtful experiences. And that mm. should, that alone should give someone sure. courage and strength to keep going because there's another side to where you are, right? Mm. That there's glory after this, that ultimately, you know, God is the author of your story. And in his book, you win, right? Mm. Like you may feel like you're going through a season where, you know, you're, you've lost, you've endured so much loss and, you, you know, mm. you're going through so much pain and heartache, but sis yeah. or brother, whoever's tuned in, keep mm. going, you know, as evidenced by Dr. Uh, Kareem's testimony, he kept going and look at him today. And I want to give you an opportunity, Dr. Ellis, can you share with us just maybe a few scriptures that sure. kind of guided you through, you know, your season and helped you get to where you are today? Okay, so so there's two that I hold on to. One is, as a man think of so he is. And that always lets me understand is my job to control yes. my thoughts. My thoughts control my results. What I learned from this study in that particular scripture is that 99% of your attacks against the enemy are typically mental attacks. The enemy's attack really hasn't changed up since the Garden of Eden. In the Garden of Eden, he didn't physically put his hands on Adam and Eve. He mentally, he had a mental conversation with them. He tried to confuse them of who they are and what the command was they were supposed to hold down. God don't want you touching that fruit because you're going to be like God. That was a mental attack. There was nothing physical about it. That means 99% of the attacks I incur on an everyday basis will be mental attacks. So when scripture says to guard your eyes and guard your ears because that's the gateway to the mind, it means that literally I got to be careful what I see and be careful what I hear. Because what goes into my mind or my subconscious mind is what I'll act on on a perpetual basis. A lot of the foolishness we got going on right now is based on what the world has allowed to be put out there on social media, on, on, on the Internet, on TV shows, on movies. It's been pumping perpetually again and again and again. And so that's one of the reasons I believe we have the results we have, because what's going in is what's being acted on. And then that's what's eventually coming back out. So one thing I know off the bat is I want to guard my eyes and guard my ears. Because as a man think of, so he is. My thoughts will always dictate my results, right? And then we also understand that there's a power of life and death in the tongue. Well, yeah. the other thing I've learned is this. You can't speak a thing until you think it. I double dog dare you, as Delatoro McNeil will say, I double dog dare you to try it. Try to speak something without first thinking. It's, it's, it's an instant connection, right? Even when God created the heavens and the earth, yes. he thought it, then he spoke it because there's a power of life and death in the tongue. That's the other reason why I want to guard my mind. Because I don't understand the damage that I can do if I just speak frivolous things into the, into existence, not knowing that I have power through my words. I can create, I can create, a, I can create heaven for my life, or I can create hell if I'm not cautious on how I, I how I either control my tongue or my lack of discipline and control over the tongue. So those would be the two or three scriptures that I've anchored on the most for this particular stage of the journey. That's helped me go from living inside of a car and sleeping at my job to being in a position and place where God has blessed me. And God says, our work is not done. We we not, we not still at base camp. We ain't even at the, halfway up the mountain. We still got a, a whole lot of work to do. We're looking forward to it. My God, wow. Wow, wow, wow. Those scriptures were so amazing and they're so practical. And even, you know, people in the world have discovered the power of those scriptures. So they try to use the mm -hmm. concepts taken out, you know, not giving credit to the Bible. They take the principles of the Bible and discredit the Bible. But amazing, amazing, powerful concepts. And if I was just to, unfortunately, because time is not on our side, if I was to add one scripture to the two that you gave, I would add Jeremiah 1, 5. Um, mm -hmm. And that one says, before I formed you in the womb, 
I knew you before you were born. I sanctified mm. you and I ordained you to be a prophet to the nations. And so this scripture mm. is saying so much, but in general, for someone who's scratching their head, like, okay, what does that mean? Well, this scripture is in context, God having a conversation with the young prophet, Jeremiah, mm. who at the time did not know he was a prophet. <laughs> He's getting this revelation by from God directly to telling him, listen, you can't tell me who you're not because I created you to be who you are. Okay. So you can't tell me, oh, I can't speak, which he tried. He did try in the same pastor thought, oh, I'm too young or I can't speak or, you know, I, I, I'm from the least, you know, my family doesn't, doesn't have a lot of uh, uh, clout or whatever he was trying to tell God, giving God all the reasons why greatness is not in him when greatness is in him because God put it there. Greatness is in you because it was put in you by God. Mm, it was you, it was ordained before you got here. Mm, God spoke now. that mm. over you because He said before you were born, I knew you and ordained you. You ordained sure. me, so that means we like we had a whole conversation before I was born. Yes, a word was pronounced over you, and the Bible mm. also tells us that. Uh, the word of God will not return in void. So what does that mean for you and I? We mm. are a word in motion and we cannot go back to the father without mm. fulfilling the assignment and the word that he has ordained us mm. before we were born. So mm. it's not really an option for someone who's tuned in. If this conversation is exciting you, it's because it has been ordained. <laughs> God has already ordained it. It's set in stone. You are mm. coming into who God says you are, despite what you thought of yourself, despite what others thought or said about you. It's irrelevant. Mm. You are a word in motion and you must be mm. fulfilled. True. Mm. I love it. And so I wanna I want to leave this opportunity for you to give one last final, um, you know, word of advice to someone that's tuned in and maybe struggling, you know, trying to discover their own greatness within, what would you say to that person right now? So that person, I would say, take your hands off the wheel and trust God. The, the problem, most of us, we try to use our own interpretation instead of using God's divine wisdom. God knows exactly what he has called you to do. He's already lined things up. He's already prepared a pathway for you. All you got to do by faith is walk, walk down it. The problem I see with most people is most people don't want to trust the faith process. So this is the equivalent of you going to a grocery store that normally closes around 11 o'clock at night and you pull into the parking lot at 1055. You're not sure whether or not that store is open or not. You're looking at the parking lot. There's three or four cars in the lot. They could be customers or they could be the employees. We don't know this yet. And so you park in the parking lot. Now you got to make a, a decision on whether or not to get out your car. By a step of faith, you get out the car and you begin to walk towards the front of the store. 50 feet away, the doors look closed. 40 feet away, the doors look closed. 25 feet away, the doors look closed. 15 feet away, the doors look closed. Now, in this moment, you got a decision. You can either go back to that car and say, I'm going to come back tomorrow, or I'm going to push forward just to test the measure of my faith. You know what happens with these doors nowadays? They got auto sensors on it that you got to be at least three feet away from it. And when you get within three feet, the doors open up automatically. For some of you, your faith requires motion, which means I got to trust the process. 
Everyone wants to chase their goal and dream where they can see the door wide open. That is not how God works. God values your faith in the journey over all things. Why? Because if you have faith in small things, that gives you faith in large things. There are some blessings I believe someone under the sound of my voice is going to get locked up into and lined up to in this season, this decade, that you're not ready to receive unless you can show I got faith in the small arenas with you right now. I got faith with the $1,000 you got to me, so I know you can bless me with $100,000 or bless me with a million dollars, right? So the thing for me is all about trusting the faith process, right? Faith means that I walk towards the thing, the direction that I'm being instructed, even though I'm not sure how it's going to work out, even though it looks like the doors may be closed to me, even though it doesn't look like an arena that matches my shade or my complexion or my thoughts or my genre or my background or my employment status or my education or lack thereof. My job by faith is to be obedient to the call and the will of God on my life, trusting that when I get right to the door, the motion sensor is going to activate and everything I'm supposed to have is going to be at my disposal. That's the best thing I can give for you. Trust the process. My God. Amen. Amen. If I had it my way, this conversation would not end. <laughs> this has been so amazing. So amazing. Mm. So many wonderful nuggets um, for our, you know, those that are tuned in and even myself, I'm pulling away mm. from this conversation. So thank you so much, Dr. Karim. Um, and finally, if you could just tell our viewers and those that are tuned in, how can they get in touch with you? If Absolutely. Like so I'll, I'll do one better than that. I'll, I'll tell them how to connect with me, but I'll also bless them with a free gift just because they're here today on this podcast. I want to bless them with something they can walk away with. So number one, you can connect with me at my website at KareemEllis.com. And obviously Kareem's popped up on the screen, so you can spell it that way. You'll get me there. Or you can pretty much go to any social media channel or Google me. I'm everywhere at this point in time. But for my folks that utilize Instagram, if you go to Instagram and you connect with me on my IG as Kareem Ellis 2.0, let me know that you heard this powerful presentation here on Dr. Shirley's podcast. And then what I will do, but you, here's the instructions. You got to go to that site. You got to follow me. Let me know you heard me here. And my team is going to bless you with a free copy of my best-selling book, GPS, My Success. I'll bless you with a free e-copy. But... This is only going to be for 48 hours after this get broadcast. So don't come to me a year from now saying, I heard you. You're too late. <laughs> Connect with me on IG 2.0. Let me know you heard us dropping some gems on this broadcast today. And my team will connect you and get you a free e-copy of GPS My Success. I'll save you $20. So you ain't got to go on Amazon and buy it. Wonderful, wonderful. Thank you so much for doing that. That was very kind of you. Wow. So that is all we have for you today, folks. This has been an amazing session yet again. And I pray that something that was said resonated with you, your situation and your spirit and leads you one step closer to Jesus. If you're tuned in today and you have not yet committed your life to Christ as your mm -hmm. Lord and Savior, my prayer for you is that today would be that day. According to Romans 10, 9, if you declare with your mouth that Jesus is Lord and believe in your heart that God has raised him from the dead, you will be saved. And honestly, there's no better decision that will guarantee you the best possible life here on earth and when you leave this earth. And after you've made that decision, I encourage you to find a good Bible teaching church that will help you to grow spiritually and become all that God has called you to be. And for our ladies that are tuned in, if you're looking for a support system in a group of women to fellowship with and grow spiritually, please connect with my organization at Beauty for Ashes Global Women's Ministry. We offer a variety of ways that you can do just that from virtual small groups 
workshops, girl talk sessions, conferences, retreats, and so much more. You can visit our website today at www.beautyforashes-global.com for all the ways that you can connect and partner with us. God bless until we meet again. Thank you so much, Dr. Karim. It was a pleasure. Thanks for listening to A Word with Dr. Shirley. To connect with Dr. Shirley, please visit www.drshirleyphd.com or email drshirleyphd at gmail.com. Thanks and have a blessed day.